everyone, this is Alicia at Workman Forensics. This is our very first investigation game mini-sode where either Tim or I will be interviewing Leah about upcoming episodes and just general concepts that get brought up in the shows that the average consumer wouldn't normally know. In this next episode of the investigation game, Leah is interviewing Kelly Paxton, who is a former customs agent, a current CFE, and best known for her website, pinkcollarcrime.com. Okay, so let's just jump right into it. Leah, welcome to the very first episode of the Investigation Game mini-series. Thank you so much. So excited that, you know, everyone gets to hear my voice every week. So get excited. Woohoo! <laughs> I mean, they come back every two weeks, so... Yeah, that's true. It's that's like they true. want to be here. <laughs> they want to be here. And now they get oh, to hear gosh. you laugh, too. This oh, is... yeah, that's true. That's true. I might be a little more lively in uh, these little mini-sodes. I hope so. so. So the point of these episodes, as I previously stated, is that people like me or just any average person that's not in the accounting field, not in CFE, not in CPA, don't fully understand everything that we talk about in the show. Yeah. Like, too often, I'll be editing the episode and I have no idea what we're talking about. Yeah, I know. I'm so glad you made a point to say something. And then from that came our little mini-sodes. So I'm happy to answer whatever questions you have this week. Perfect. So I'm ready to just jump right into it. Do it. Okay. So next week's episode, you talk a lot about social media and just everything Kelly Paxson has done in her career and mm -hmm. her past. So one of the first things I noticed in the episode that you bring up is TLO and Accurate. I'm not too sure what those are. We use them for investigative purposes, but they're public source databases. And Accurate is owned by LexisNexis, and we don't actually use that database here at Workman, so I'm not as familiar with that one. I, I think I used it whenever I was at the Bureau. We, we used it there. TLO is something by like TransUnion like the credit report people, they also have this investigative database that's available to private investigators. It just lets us search by name, any other identifying information about somebody or about a company, and it'll just pull up any public records. It doesn't search county records, like county court records. So those you still have to go out to the individual places. But it's just kind of nice because if I wanted to know, you know more about you, Alicia, I could put your name in there and let's say you're a subject of investigation okay I, I okay. don't just randomly run these on my friends just for anyone <laughs> <Not> listening <laughs> we don't just run them randomly on people there's rules about using these databases but I could put in your name and run a search and I could see if you have any LLCs like anywhere in the country that's what makes that so advantageous instead of having to go to each state's secretary of state and run that and where are all the places you lived and it pulls utilities information, bankruptcies, liens. It's just a good starting point. It is it's definitely not something that you want to rely 100% on. You definitely want to go and check anything that you're going to later use in a report, but it's just kind of nice to see just public information. Mm -hmm. So just so I'm clear, anybody is in this realm of public records, not just criminals, not just business owners, oh, yeah. everyone. Yeah. Anyone. Anyone who has a something public information about them. It's not searching out something nefarious or something that we shouldn't have access to. One of the questions I get asked a lot by clients is, can they send me a whole bunch of names and social security numbers and use our secret databases, which are not secret. I just <laughs> told you what they were, but we can use the databases to like, oh, can you look up all these bank accounts or whatever? There are some databases that allow that and we do not use them because financial information is protected. There are ways of getting that information without breaching an individual's privacy. Okay, so can you explain a little bit about open source intelligence? 
Yeah, basically what I just described is open source intelligence. It's using publicly available information to then work an investigation. Open source intelligence to me could include social media. It includes all of those Secretary of State government facilitated processes. But then it also could include any type of online database. There's different business databases that just collect information about businesses. There's even larger government entities that'll track different statistics on different industries or companies. SEC filings could also be a form of open source intelligence because that's where publicly traded companies file all of their financial information. So you can learn a lot from SEC filings just by reading the notes to the financial statements is one of my favorite places to look. But that that idea of open source intelligence is really just using what is available to the public. Mm-hmm. When it comes to using somebody's social media as open source, mm-hmm. what if their account is private? I don't always agree with other investigators. So I feel like there's two sides to this goal. There are some investigators who will create a fake profile and get somebody to friend a friend, you know, and I think social media is good for giving some sort of context to a case. I don't think that social media is the evidence. If I find where they purchased a car and they're bragging about it on social media, and then I can see where a car was purchased on a bank statement, obviously I'm going to link those two things together. Mm -hmm. But I really don't like for social media to be my primary source of evidence. But that's just a personal preference and I'm pretty conservative on that. I think that there are more ways to uncover information than to violate people's privacy. I agree, 100%. You can feel safe as long as I'm doing the investigation. (laughs) We do it the right way. That's right, that's right. Keep it honest. Keep it above board. You also mentioned working both ends of the case. Yeah. So I was curious, what are the benefits of working both ends? And when in your career did you decide that you wanted to work both sides rather than just prosecution? Great question. Thank you. And it's one of my favorite questions. So thank (laughs) you. So I started my career working for the FBI. And so very much just a prosecution type focus. And then whenever I started working in the private sector at the public accounting firm, we had somebody ask us if we would work a defense case and it didn't go anywhere, but it just kind of got me thinking, oh, probably what I'm doing needs to be done for the other side. And so very early in my career, I mean, four and a half, five years in, whenever I started Workman, I just thought, you know what, I'm going to work whatever comes in. Because if I'm focusing on data, it shouldn't matter whether I believe someone or not. And so I've actually worked quite a few synthetic marijuana cases and also for the defense and also a bank fraud defense case. And whenever I started out, I actually asked quite a few attorneys and just mentors and people in town that I respected their opinion. I said, what do you think if I work both sides of this? And they said, I think that that would greatly help your value as an expert witness because it doesn't, it's showing that you're more open and that you're not as biased. If you're only ever testifying for one side over the other, you're just going to have some natural biases. And I have had people ask me while testifying, well, do you always testify for the defense or do you always testify for prosecution or whatever? And it's been really nice to be able to say, no, I, I work either. And they will ask additional questions. I get to say, well, I'm just focusing on data. And so in the types of cases we get hired to work on the defense, we're really just looking at the government's evidence, whether that's local, state, or federal. And we're looking at the government's evidence, and then we're looking at the number that they've connected to whatever crime. So synthetic marijuana, money judgment, how much did they sell of synthetic marijuana? Or a bank fraud, how much did they divert from the bank or use the bank's money incorrectly, you know, inappropriately? And so we're really just looking at the government's number, looking at their supporting evidence, and then seeing, did they rely on data in order to determine this? 
and we've been very successful in creating some value and at least conversations to make sure that that loss amount or that money judgment amount is based on fact. I see. Do you ever have a case or a situation where you're trying to testify for somebody on the defense and you feel like you don't want to testify for them or... No, because I really just stay in the lane of my expertise, which is data and facts. In one particular case that I remember, they had traced some money laundering or what they were saying would count as money laundering. They asked me, do you agree with this agent's tracing? And I said, yes, I do. I I agree. You know, money laundering was for the jury to decide. But as far as where did money come from and where did it go? I agreed 100% with the government's tracing. What my position was in that case was whenever I trace this money, I don't see how. Because for fraud, there's like an intent piece Mm -hmm. and then there's a benefit piece. Mm -hmm. And the benefit piece really hadn't been traced to the client. Mm -hmm. And so that was what a lot of my discussion was about. But at the same time, I'm not going to disagree with somebody just, you know, I'm not going to disagree with the government just because I'm on the defense. I agreed with their analysis. Now, the jury then found that he wasn't guilty of money laundering. And that's up for the jury to decide. That's not as part of our code of ethics as fraud examiners that we can't give our opinion as to guilt or innocence. So instead, just really representing the facts and how we're interpreting those facts. Okay. That's pretty cool. So it's even if the person you're trying to support is super annoying and super rude and you just don't like him, it doesn't matter. It's the facts no, and it's that's just the it. Facts. And in these cases too, I'm not I'm not giving an opinion on whether or not they sold synthetic marijuana. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's for everybody else to argue or, you know, a lot of times the client says, yeah, I did sell that. What we're talking about is how much was sold. Mm. And that is where it's often overstated. From my experience, that's where the government has overstated. Like I'm not arguing guilt or innocence of whatever the charge is. I'm really just looking at how much money was involved. That makes yeah. it sounds so, really so just much like more just <laughs> yeah well, i hope so i mean because i don't i don't the only people that actually know what happened in all these cases are the people who were there mm-hmm. right my client the bank the people buying synthetic marijuana they're the only people that actually know what happened so why am i going to weigh in to say what i think happened yeah or who was guilty or who was i mean that just seems ridiculous like mm-hmm. i don't know i wasn't there But what I do know is what patterns of money and evidence. Okay, I understand where the government's coming up with their loss number. I understand. But this data shows something different. Mm -hmm. And just being able to show that. And a lot of times the case settles. The cases settle anyway. Once you kind of show, okay, this number's a little high. But my client is saying it's a lot lower. It's really somewhere in the middle. Mm -hmm. And so then that's where I come in and get to Uh help with that. I see. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Where I want to be is... What is this data and what does this data mean? And an expert, in my opinion, should really just be helping a judge, jury, the other side understand what we're looking at. Yeah. Because this is a very specialized field. Mm-hmm. You know, the whole reason we're having the mini-sode, because not everyone knows <laughs> exactly. all these things. So it's really, known. I'm like this liaison almost mm-hmm. to just try to explain to everybody what we're looking at. I see. That's so much clearer. Okay. Well, good. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully this segment cleared up a few things for our listeners. I know it definitely did for me. So if you want to learn more about any of the topics that were brought up, please feel free to listen to next week's episode with Kelly Paxton. 
Also, if you want to keep up with upcoming episodes or different topics we bring up on the podcast, subscribe to the Investigation Game Podcast or email us at podcast at workmanforensics.com. We'll answer any questions about forensics, forensic accounting, or just investigation. Thanks for listening.